Hello and welcome to the Football Walking Tour podcast. I'm Gary. And I am Aeon. And today uh, we are going to be uh, talking uh, to a famous Irish uh, rugby player. Uh, now, Ireland has produced many great players of different sporting uh, codes uh, between Association Football, GAA, uh, and uh, Rugby Football. Um, and some are known for playing GA and rugby. Some are known for playing GA and soccer. Very few are known for playing rugby and soccer. But our guest today is very well known for it. Would you please welcome former Irish out half in rugby and former soccer player for Limerick and Shamrock Rovers, the very great Tony Ward. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. So uh, Ireland have produced many great players of the various different sporting codes of GAA, soccer and rugby. Uh, some have been known for playing GAA and rugby, some for uh, playing GAA and soccer, but very few have uh, been uh, well documented for playing soccer and rugby. One player who has uh, is our next guest, the uh, former out half with the Irish uh, uh, rugby team uh, and a player who played, soccer player who played for uh, Shamrock Rovers as well, the very great Tony Ward. You're welcome uh, to the show, Tony. Hi, Gary. Delighted to be on board. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, say hello, Ian. Hello, Tony. We met. We met when you came on our tour in the rain, uh, and uh, and I think you had a you had a bit of fun, even though it was, the weather was was pretty bad that day. I thought it was fabulous. Uh, well, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Uh, so, Tony, uh, you uh, are in the, the 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 relatively small club of having played um, international rugby for Ireland, and you also represented Ireland at uh, not full international level, but underage international in uh, soccer as well, didn't you? Yeah, I did. I played uh, schoolboy international. I think I was probably a product of, uh, of my time growing up, Gary. I was a, a child of the 50s into the 60s. And obviously that was the year of um, when we first had match of the day, England winning the World Cup. Uh, my early years were spent in Leeds, and that was the time Leeds came to prominence by coincidence. So you put all that together, and I was a football soccer fanatic since I was knee-high to a grasshopper. But I went to a rugby-playing school as well, St. Mary's and Mines. I'm from Harold's Cross originally, uh, very much a soccer area. And um, when I went to school to Mary's, I played rugby in school. I played soccer outside. Uh, I also uh, went to a rugby-playing school, but I came from a soccer background myself. Uh, playing for Hull Celtic uh, as a goalkeeper. Uh, it's one of the lesser-known things of Irish football history. Um, it features now, too prominently in our football tour, I have to say. Uh, the, 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 that that uh, controversial season in the late 70s of yes, the under-12 well, well, Hull, Celtic, Hull Celtic team. Um, uh, it's not, uh, it's, it, it doesn't quite get to your exalted levels of, of international superstardom, Tony, so we'll move on swiftly here. Um, so, so did you, like, growing up, you grew up in, in Leeds initially, uh, so you, you became a, a lifelong fanatic, fanatical fan, we'll talk about that later, a little bit later, but you, you, you moved here, you, you came from a soccer background, effectively, and you went to play rugby, so was that... Was was that in any way? Did you have any difficulty crossing over? Was it was it was it a was it a thing, or was, did it, did you just uh, happen to be good at everything? I just 
you know, from the earliest days, I just had a huge interest in sport. And it was a different era, a different time, as you both know. Um, back then, you were out in the street morning, noon and night. That was the reality. We had a square beside us in uh, where I lived, Priory Road in Harles Cross. And there wasn't a blade of grass on the thing, you know, like from one end of the year to the other. And we played on the street. We used lampposts as goals. And it was all the normal things you did. Um, I was also, because I lived in Harles Cross, uh, I was very close to Rovers in Milltown, Shamrock Rovers. Mm. And um, so every Sunday, every second Sunday, depending on the fixtures, uh, was spent in, in Milltown and Glenmalure Park because uh, it was just a walk. It was about a 20-minute walk from where I was living. Um, and Rovers, but League of Ireland was massive back then. It was huge. Mm. Um, and that's been one of the sad things over the years that League of Ireland has lost its way. Hopefully, it might still come back. But between that and... and, and the, the one thing, Gary, that I, I, I found was that the school system, like all my mates in Harold's Cross, I don't know if it was the same for you, um, they all went to the local schools, like mm. um, yeah. uh, generally they were the vocational schools nearby, uh, Clower Road, Sundrive Road. Um, whereas I went down to Rathmines to Mary's, uh, and it was a rugby playing school. Um, so because of that, I got, I got the opportunity to play uh, rugby, which I wouldn't have got otherwise. And what I found was that on the north side of the city, it, it was very much, um, as you know that if you went to um, most schools on the north side, GAA, Gaelic football, and to a lesser extent, hurling were the main games. Mm. But it tended to be soccer everywhere. If you wanted to play, you had to play outside school because mm. certainly I had no option to play soccer in school. And I had many problems over the years um, in, in relation to, you know, fixtures clashing, but I tried to fix them in and I managed to do that. And I know I've spoken to both of you about, um, you know, mm. we all know the Liam Brady incident. You yeah. were saying that we'd play schoolboy football. Uh, I played with Liam that time in the Irish schoolboy team. And Liam, as you know, was expelled from school, St. Aidan's in Whitehall, mm -hmm. because he captained Ireland against Wales and schoolboy international. So it was a different era, different times, but that was the structure, effective, that was in place back then. And were you, were you aware of the societal attitudes towards the different games? You know, the type of people, shall we say, in a general sense, who were, who were rugby people, the type of people that played GEA, the type of people that were soccer? people i mean were you aware of that and and maybe some of the small mindedness that surrounded some of those attitudes probably was but it was more tongue-in-cheek stuff tongue-in-cheek stuff than that and i think you can all identify with this that before the dubs came to power in the early 70s um and you'd have to go back to hepo in the late 50s which was before my time uh GAA was for rednecks beyond the base road. And that's how we saw it. <laughs> don't Are you allowed to say these things anymore? <laughs> don't out. He's got to be cancelled. That's just the way it was. Yeah. And it was for uh, the Jacks in Dublin who played the football, the soccer, the English game, so to speak. So, yeah, we were aware of it. But it didn't. It didn't register. I just want to play, enjoy myself, just oh, be out there. But that's the, the way we all. Work. I remember you so mentioned. It didn't impact yeah. me. No, not as a schoolboy. But I, mean, not I, I remember you mentioned to me that this this notion of not being a fear gale, that was that that, that was something that you were conscious of, or, or or had been said to you. That it wasn't a fear game. Is that no, no, said? no. Sorry, this this notion of the fear gale. So so the, so the true Irish oh, person. Yeah. That's an expression I hate. I have to say, and I hear it an awful lot. 
even now that you're not a fear veil. Listen, I've gone to Croker since I was knee high to a grasshopper. The same mates that I used to play football, soccer with week in, week out. We used to have the primary school sports back then was held at Croker. And I'd go with them before I was, but I was tiny. So going along to Croker um, was a natural thing to do, whether it was daily or for soccer, daily match, whether it was Croke Park for, uh, for Gaelic football and hurling, or whether it was Lansdowne Road for rugby. Went to all the grounds. That's what we did. And, and the excitement, getting the bus over, and you know, doing all the normal things you would do at that age. I just didn't think about that. But even now, believe it or not, when I go to Croke Park and I'm seen there, I do get those comments made to me. Jesus, what are you doing here? <laughs> because my association, I'd be identified with rugby more than anything, um, which I find strange, understandable in one way, but uh, I don't like it. <laughs> to be honest. So you you came very much from just the, the 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 background of you know you loved playing sport and you love uh, ball sports, and so you just played them and you weren't remotely encumbered by any of the politics. But that politics was nonetheless very much very much there one thing that i uh, found when i was you know uh, uh, playing rugby uh, in school was that there was just you know soccer was considered something you know that was really not played by <laughs> my middle class kids it was not the elite game it was a game played by other people whoever they were uh, and that it was not it, it, it had this 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 the sense of somehow being lesser, which I found incredibly uncomfortable. I really like rugby, but I also found it very uncomfortable, this idea that that you could decide a game was somehow a lesser sport because of the people who played it. Did you, did you get that sense? I'd be less than honest if I didn't identify with every sentiment you just expressed. Absolutely mm. the same. Like, as I said, when, when the sports clashed, um, there was no decision to be made. I had to be available for my rugby game, whether it was on a Saturday or Sunday. Um, and, and soccer, my game outside in the Dublin District League, was very much uh, secondary to that. I have to say, I, I, I was conscious of one thing. When I got on the Ireland schoolboy team at under 15, because that was the only international, no, there were two international teams. Now they're at every age, as you know, but back then there was an under 15 schoolboy team and there was an under 18 youth teams. They were the only one. When I managed to get on the Ireland under 15 team, I played three or four internationals that year. As I said, Liam Brady was also on, on the same team. Um, that's, that's when I found that there was, I don't know if respect is the word, but I found a slightly different attitude in school. Um, that it was, you know, thought, well, this, this is a nice honour for the school because they hadn't had, to the best of my knowledge, anybody who had played uh, the round ball game at that level uh, to that stage. So um, maybe it made life a little bit easier for me. And then, coincidentally, as it happened, um, they <laughs> possibly saw more in me as a rugby player too because they knew I was a footballer from the soccer. So then uh, in fourth, fifth and sixth year in school, I was on the senior team as a, at out half, mm. uh, which would be the position that clearly would kind of apply to somebody who was playing soccer outside school. Um, so it made it difficult for me going through my final years when the decision was going to eventually come as to whether I concentrated on round or oval, if you know what I mean. Mm. Uh, those latter years in school were, were a little bit difficult in that respect. Now, isn't it true that John Giles... Uh, who you who who many people have said you look a bit like Giles. <laughs> uh, uh, 
but wish uh, I could have played like one. Mm-hmm. Indeed, uh, but well, I, I've seen you play. Actually, and you was a very, very good player, uh, a winger. If my memory serves me correctly, You're hey, sure. you, yeah. no, not John there. He was a midfielder. <laughs> yeah, uh, but um, I was going to say, uh, di- did you nearly sign for uh, uh, Shamrock Rovers and John Giles was there? Yeah, I signed. As I said, I had to make a decision when I left school uh, after the rugby was finished, uh, whether it was soccer rugby, whether I went on playing rugby and joined, it would have been St. Mary's Rugby Club at that stage, or played soccer. For me, it was a no-brainer because uh, Rovers, uh, Liam Tui was manager at the time. Um, actually, John's dad, Dickie, was involved as well at that stage, Dickie Giles. And um, Liam Tui and Louis Kilcoyne uh, signed me as a part-time pro straight after... Uh, I left under 18, which was youth football. So immediately I went as a part-time pro. Um, and look, I don't want to bore you with a long story, but what happened was um, I, I was playing, I got straight into the, pretty much straight into the uh, Rovers first team at the time. It was in the, the early 70s uh, and it wasn't a good period for Rovers. John came back in 77, 78, I think it was. Mm. But um, I, I was in the first team on a regular basis. But at the same time, I got into the PE college in Limerick because that's what I wanted to study to be a PE teacher. And I was finding it extremely difficult to travel back from, I don't know, Bally Buffet or hmm. Kilcoen Park, you know, the different parts of the country or wherever it was to make my lectures on a Monday morning. So it was proving difficult. And then by total coincidence at the time, Johnny Moroni, who was the Gary Ohm, outside half, he was on the Ireland team as well at that stage, broke his leg and Gary Owen, who had a very strong team back then, uh, were looking everywhere uh, this was in March when the Munster Cup was coming up, we're looking for an out half and Shay Deering, who was my hero in school, he, he captained Ireland subsequently, uh, sadly passed away some years ago um, the Dero uh, was playing for Gary Owen and he knew me through his twin brothers who played with me in school, they were wing forwards of my age group. And so he tipped Gary Owen off that this guy was out there. He's half decent, I think. So I was straight into the Gary Owen team, played four matches for the Man of Cup medal, meant nothing to me. Um, but I then had the dilemma that I'd always dreaded. Do I go soccer? Do I go rugby? I don't know if that makes sense, but that's... Oh, it makes total sense. And what, what made you decide rugby? Do you know... You're going to find this hard to believe, and it's nothing to do with the politics of it or anything. I remember the first game I played, it was in, as I said, February, March of 1975. And I remember we were playing Home Farm Rovers. We were playing Home Farm on a Friday night in Talca. And I played that game, played the, it just showed how fit we were back then, played the full 90 minutes, whatever. Uh, and then the following day, I was on the Gary Owen senior team. And I was only 18, 19 at the time, uh, playing in Lansdowne Road against uh, Wanderers in, as they were back then, in inverted commas, friendlies. They were very competitive games, but there was no All-Ireland League back then. Mm. Um, so I, I, I was then playing uh, rugby the following afternoon. And after the rugby match um, that day, and I always put it down to one person in particular, our scrum half, who again was a monster scrum half, etc., uh, Liam Hall from Limerick. Hawley was one of these great characters who really entertained. He um, had no inhibitions whatsoever. And after the game, he was up on the tables going around wanderers when we were all having a sing-song and whatnot. 
And I always remember him saying, any dream will do. That always stuck in my mind, you know, from uh, Joseph and the Amazing Technical Dream Code. But it was the camaraderie. Okay. And yeah. at the time, very quickly, the, the rovers set up. The, there was a lot of um, bickering in the dressing room about what different players were earning. You know, hmm. why Tommy McConville, who was playing for us, should come down from Dundalk and be on the same money or better money than guys who were there training to say Thursday. All those sort of things. They didn't apply to rugby. Hence, uh, I made the decision to go with rugby at that stage. And I was in college. So it did suit me in Limerick. Okay. And you, you mentioned as well that when you were playing in a rugby match uh, at the, uh, down in, in Munster, that there, there was, I think it was for Gary Owen, uh, that there was uh, a comment made to you by one of your rugby uh, coaches, isn't that right? Or one of the coaches at that time? Yeah, ironically, um, he was the man who, I guess, who was at the root of the being dropped on that the famous Campbell Ward Australia '79 uh, tour. Noel Murphy was uh, the Cork Con coach back then, and in those four games I'm talking about, um, we got to the uh, final against uh, Corkon, his club, down in uh, Musgrave Park. And we won that final 6-4. It was the first time uh, the, the tribe was only four points in those days. Uh, God, how scary was that? But anyway, um, we won that game. And uh, yeah, throughout the game, uh, I w- there was this thing of uh, get the soccer player, get the soccer player. <laughs> and the irony, I use that word again, was that Barry McGann was playing opposite me. And McGann uh, played for Shells for years prior to that. Um, and, and subsequently, Barry was a very good soccer player uh, as well. In Iceland, besides that, I meet him regularly out now walking. He lives now very close to me here in uh, in, in Greystones, and we reminisce about those times all the time. But yeah, there, there was those comments, but they were misplaced and they were wrong. And, and yeah, they did get to me. But because, what, what uh, was the what was trying to be said there? I mean, the soccer player that was an insult. Yeah, that's what it was meant as. And that goes back to what you were saying about mm. there was an attitude very much uh, looking down upon soccer at the time. And I'm not going to pretend that it wasn't there. But again, as I say, because I was, I just wanted to play. I just wanted to be out there enjoying myself like we all did when we were kids. So I didn't think too much about it and I just got on with it. But yeah, it you, you had great success on the, on the soccer field. Mm. I mean, you, you won an FEI, FEI Cup medal with Limerick. I, yeah, subsequently with Limerick, you see, again, and this was the dilemma all my career, and, and looking back, which is easy now, I really wish that I had given more time to soccer, to the round ball game. Um, I, 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 I dabbled, so to speak, in that uh, you've already pointed out that uh, John Giles and uh, Ray Tracy and Eamon Dumphy, I spoke to them uh, when they came back and they took over overs in the 80s. Uh, they wanted to sign me, which... Um, you know, I, I took as a, a real compliment at the time, but at that stage I was on the Ireland B rugby team and kind of with a chance of getting on the Ireland team. Um, so if someone had told me when I was a kid that I'd be meeting John Giles, hero obviously growing up in Dublin, and then turning him down when he was asking me to sign for him and for Rovers, like, you know, but it was just the circumstances as they were at the time. But in, in the... Um, late 70s, early 80s, own hand came down and uh, took over uh, and completely transformed Limerick. Like he was just, Harry Gibson Steele was responsible, Mickey Webb was chairman for him coming down. And Owen, along with Dave Mahidi, who was uh, 
one of my mates in college down there, the two of them are running Limerick. So they kept on me all the time saying, look, will you, um, will you give the football a go when you're free? And uh, I, I said, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, which meant that the only times I was available, I was we had the early season friendlies, um, or if we were knocked out of the cup, we'd be Gary Ohm early, which happened one or two of those times. Then I played the late games. So it meant I was playing these games, which I hated doing on the other lads in Limerick, but I was playing against Tottenham. Uh, I was playing against Man U. My last game was against Man U in, you know, uh, in d- d- exhibition games and, um, y- you know, big friendly games that were organised in that time. And then I was playing in all the FAI Cup games. Like I played in the entire Cup run, the one you're talking about, when we won the Cup in 82. I played in all, all those games right through that. But it was tough on the guy who I replaced, or the guys I replaced, who had played right through that season, if you know what I mean. Mm. And that's something, kind of a sensitive soul, for better or worse. And I was very conscious of that at the time. But yeah, I loved it. And we won the Cup in 82, and I played in Europe. And um, Did Laurie McManamy, uh, the, the Southampton manager, he said some very complimentary things about you, didn't he? Yeah, but like when a mic is put up to his belt, what do you think of the only <laughs> Right, <laughs> they okay. They didn't say we keep it. I'm so naive, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, although, to be fair, with Kevin Keegan, he actually asked me, which was lovely, we played them in the Barclays Field first in the UEFA Cup, I think that was, not the Cup Winners' Cup. And they beat us 3-0, they beat us well. And they were a good, they were a good side. They had a lot of England players. That's like David Watson. But I can't remember. They had a load of... Uh, uh, top top class players in Mike Channel. All those guys were in that uh, Southampton side. Um, but I thought, speaking to Kevin Keegan after that, and of course he had quotes like to said, you know, where he was asked by speaking man, oh Jesus, you know, not for a rugby player he can play a bit and all that. As I say, what else do you expect him to play? But anyway, Ke- Keegan uh, said to me, look, when you're coming over, bring me over an Ireland jersey and I'll give you an England jersey, which was lovely, and he suggested it. So I brought over an Ireland jersey with me, and he gave me an England jersey when we played them in the replay in the Dell as it was then. They're in St. Mary's mm. now. And uh, we drew one all. We played really well and we rattled them, you know, even though we weren't going to overturn a three-goal lead. Um, but, you know, that was lovely. And I remember one thing about this. I, I hope this has come across as some sort of me bragging or something. But uh, BBC, uh, remember the midweek poll David Coleman used yeah. to present? Sports Hub Coleman, wasn't it? Sports Hub Yeah, he, he, he... Yeah, yeah. In the midweek, they, they got wind that uh, I was playing in that game. And they came down and they did a massive thing on it, you know, uh, of me playing that game. And afterwards, it was all singing uh, There Is an Isle, which was the Shannon and Limerick song and in the thing afterwards. And I went out on TV the following Wednesday, uh, which was lovely. So that, all nice parts of it. But the bottom line is that when I look back on my career, absolutely, I, I, I wish I had been in a position to or more conscious of how short your playing career is to have made better use of my footballing ability. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times? Visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook. Okay, Gary, as you know, if people want to get in touch with us for the football walking tour, we've been doing this since August 2020, and there's a north side one, there's a south side one. We haven't gone west side yet. Uh, we were hoping to do an east side tour. We haven't gone outside uh, the pale. Dublin Bay, mm. actually. Yeah. So it's footballwalkingtour at gmail.com. Uh, we, there's a Twitter handle of at footballtourdub, and littlemuseum.ie, which is the little museum on Stephen's screen, um, they also run our football tour. So littlemuseum.ie forward slash football tour. 
Yes, uh, forward slash. That sounds so Y2K. Kind of 1994. <laughs> Granddad, this is your email address. No, I think you're actually going back too far. I don't think it was in 1994. Forward slash. It didn't become a thing. Forward right. slash didn't become a forward slash thing until the late 90s. That's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> uh, what do you think? It's not, <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a good slash. <laughs> it's a great slash. It's a great forward slash. Uh, okay, uh, moving swiftly on in this podcast. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Visit doro.ie. Make friends with innovation. You've mentioned what was said to you on the rugby pitch about you being a soccer player. Was anything ever said to you about being a rugby player when you played soccer? Any comments or, or derision? No, no, the only thing I remember was uh, I played with a really good player, played for Todd as well. For Rovers, we had two midfielders who were tough guys, uh, Frank McCune and Eamon Fagan. I remember the two of them chatting to me uh, when around that time because they knew I was involved in rugby. And what they couldn't believe was that when the uh, Five Nations, as it was then, came around each year, um, the amount of publicity in terms of pictures and everything that appeared in the paper and the amount of you know the build-up to the games, etc., in rugby at the time... So there was a little bit of petty jealousy in there in that respect. And they were asking me, like, why, why was this the case? Uh, but that was kind of natural. Um, but no, uh, d- definitely not. Um, and, and there were guys who played. There was Nick Lynch played centre forward for Waterford. He played rugby. If the O'Flanagan brothers went way back to when, who played for Ireland. and, and in, Hugo uh, McNeil played as well, didn't he? Sports. Hugo McNeil Gordon. played uh, in, I think, a Collingwood Cup. He won a Collingwood Cup with Trinity, didn't he? Are we using Nick Lynch? Did he? No, Hugo McNeil. Oh, did he? I didn't know that. Yeah, he did. Do you know? You talk about. I got banned from playing in the Collingwood Cup. I went up to play for uh, NCP as it was then, Thomond College, in the first round uh, in the competition up in uh, Coleraine University up there. NU, or New University or whatever it was called at the time and UCD Tony O'Neill was involved and I was very friendly with Tony O'Neill because he was involved with Rovers but I remember the secretary I think O'Callaghan was his name and they objected and UCD were so strong as you know back then yeah. in all codes and they objected to this little Limerick college having this little whippersnapper playing for him because I, I was playing for Rovers as well at the time and they got me banned I wasn't able to play in it <laughs> so I was up there but actually couldn't play Ah, well, listen, you wouldn't be a sporting Irish uh, hero or somebody involved if you weren't banned at least once. Or or there's some split (laughs) at some point. Can I I ask you as well, Tony? Now, I know this is much talked about territory, but just just briefly want to touch on it. When you played rugby, obviously, there was a sense somehow that you weren't quite part of the rugby establishment uh, and that you were kind of semi-professional or professional. You had a sports shop. Uh, and was you playing uh, soccer, was that kind of part of that that, that suspicion? Yeah, I, again, I can't, can't deny that. Um, I was fortunate in that I had a few very good friends who were on the IRFU committee, and I mean that, much older than me, obviously. And um, and they were with me 100%. And not Gary Owen, uh, Leinster and mm. um, people involved in Leinster and Ulster rugby, who used to inform me what was going on. At the, it was every... I think it was the first Friday of every month the IRFU met 
And certainly in my years, I know consistently my name was brought up for different reasons. And I can tell you to this day, I can put my hand on my heart and say, I didn't accept a penny outside of amateur rugby after I made the decision to go from mm. part-time professional with Chamber Grovers to playing rugby full-time. So, but yet, they tried time and again in terms of advertisements I'd been in. And I, I remember doing one thing. You'd be interested in this, I think. I went away. I used to do the superstars back then. Do you remember that? I do, uh, yeah. You, wait, Pat Spillane used to do them as well. And Pat and I were in college together down in Limerick. And I remember we'd be checking about it. So Pat would be out, and I think he was in the Bahamas, and I went to Tel Aviv. You went to these exotic clients. But every time I did anything like that, or super teams, which was an equivalent thing that we did in Bath, I'd always get letters from the IRFU, from Bob Fitzgerald, who was the secretary at the time, wanting to know uh, when they'd be receiving a check from uh, Transworld International, I think it was, who was sponsoring it, for whatever money I was getting. I didn't even know about the money at the time, but they did. The IRFU got them. Didn't mm -hmm. happen, Pat. So you can... Put two and two together there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was the GAA, which was meant to be the ultimate fair deal organized yeah. amateur organization. A lot of the, the themes that we, we, we touch on in the tour, um, Tony, are about the you know, the official Ireland view of soccer, which was not a very, you know, uh, comfortable one, wasn't a very warm one, you know, there's all these controversies over the over the history of the of the of the establishment of the state between Douglas Hyde being banned from the GA for attending a, a soccer international as president, the Archbishop trying to ban a soccer international in 1955. It's never been, you know, a very politically powerful game. Uh, the people who have played it, the people who have, who have supported it have never been politically powerful. However, rugby seems to have had a different view from the establishment of the state because, you know, the rugby schools produced a lot of cabinet ministers. They produced a lot of, you know, influential people in Irish life. Rugby was 32 county. Rugby was amateur. And probably rugby didn't, wasn't viewed as being as much of a threat to the GEA as maybe soccer was. Did you feel, and this is probably a, a, an outdated a generalization, a stereotypical sort of view of, of, of people who play different games. But did you feel from a, a marked difference between, I know, I know Munster is different when it comes to rugby, but did you feel when you were playing international rugby for Ireland, a different sense of the people who were supporting the game or were in that rugby circle than those who, who, who supported uh, you know, the soccer team or, or the soccer community? Was that a, 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 an obvious difference for you? Uh, or was it something that you think was 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 kind of emphasized more than when, than was the reality? Because the more we, we 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 delve into this, the more we find that people actually enjoyed all games from from all sorts of different families. But it, but sometimes it's presented that rugby was more aloof, more elitist, more removed. Yeah, the short answer to all that is. Um, you're right in everything you say, and I have to say one thing I'm very envious of today is when I see my own grandkids as they are now, I can't believe I'm saying that, but uh, the opportunities they have to play all the different codes. Like when I went to the PE college, uh, and I think this is directly linked to what you just said, that was the first time I really came in contact with Gaelic Games because I'd never had the experience or the opportunity up until then, you know, growing up, the soccer and rugby were the two sports uh, that I was involved in. But when I went down to the Peay College in Limerick, and we had, like, we literally an all-star team, you know, down, down there then. Like Johnny Tobin, Brian Talty from 
Galway, Brian Mullins, Fran Ryder from Dublin, Pat mm. Spillane, Ogie Moore, and Ogie was with us back then, Mick Spillane, Jimmy Deanahan, like I could go on with the list. Then. Larry McCarthy, actually, Larry's the current president, as you know, Larry was in college with me down there. He told me, I was with him during the week, I was at a game in, in Abbottstown there a couple of weeks ago, uh, UL were playing against Queens, David Clifford actually is in UL at the moment, he, he was playing for them, and, uh, and Larry was telling me, I didn't know this, but he told me that when I went down to college, because Larry used to run everything down there, he was the secretary back then, like he's to the manor born now as president, given the training and the background he had, Larry's from Cork originally, um, but he said to me that when uh, they, they registered, they tried to register every boy that came down. So he said he can remember to this day registering Anton Malcolm Ward. That's what he said <laughs> to me on the list. But I never got the, the opportunity. The nearest opportunity I got, and myself and Dave Mahidi were, were the two. Uh, Dave ended up director of sports in UL and, and very involved in all sports as well, which Limerick and the, the All Ireland. Anyway, and, um, was when we were in the Gaelic grounds. Uh, for one of the Tobin College, as we were then called, games. We won the All-Ireland, actually, under Dave Weldrick in our years. And the game grounds where I was one of the, you know the guys with the white coats there with behind the, the posts waving the flags? Oh, the umpires, the yeah. yeah. The Umpire. <laughs> I was one of them. That's as close as I got. I don't know if that answers the question I am, but it, 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 um, I was very aware of it. And there's no doubt there was a status thing. No question. And your love of soccer, though, what was it about soccer that that you really enjoyed? I'm interested to know that. I did to get the answer to that one. Yeah. Is it just a? It's just. Think, is it the I, game? I is both it the sports? Yeah. Um, what I loved about them was maybe it's my personality, my temperament, and a little bit of skill or a bit of skill. I was I was uh, blessed with because I a low center of gravity and I was reasonably good at, at dribbling and, and stuff like that. In both sports, the object was to create space, to run at the opposition and take them on. The games are very different now. We know that in, in all codes, at all levels, and can be quite boring. The appeal in rugby was something similar because I was quite small in terms of stature relative to a lot of the guys I would have been playing with because you've got to be that much bigger, even though it was a game that did cater for all shapes and sizes. Um, but I loved the concept of attacking and trying to create space. And that's why, and it was one of my faults later in my career, which I accept, that players playing with me didn't know what I was going to do for the simple reason I didn't know myself <laughs> because I just reacted when, you know, when things were happening on the field. Um, but I think, you know, if I'm honest, those two factors, and, and plus uh, all the things I said earlier on, like to be brought up in Leeds, um, and Leeds back then, they were, a lot of people won't agree with this, but they were special. They're huge in my life. I still go over once a month to a game there. I just oh, really? absolutely yeah. love it. The I'm surprised you're weeks. talking to me at all. I'm a Manchester United fan. But actually, uh, John, John Giles says, who, who always comes ah. up in, in the conversation, he's, he, 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 John Giles says that, uh, that Leeds was actually very much a rugby uh, part of the world. Before, rugby league, yeah. Before the, yeah, uh, yeah rugby league, but before, before the, uh, the Don Reavy era and, uh, and the side that he created, yeah. But, um, but yeah, he, but just on that, between when he tried to sign me for Rovers and um, John, John Giles, he got on to me in the late 70s, early 80s, because he was very friendly with a solicitor over there who was chairman of not the Leeds Rhinos, but one of the other local rugby clubs over there. It might have been New Hunsler. I can't remember who it was, but they tried to sign me at the time. But you're absolutely bang on. The Leeds Rhinos are a huge team over there. Uh, as you know, they share the with Yorkshire Cricket Club in Headingley. They have a big ground there. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Apart from the Leeds United years, 
uh, of the 60s, 70s, into the 80s, when we did have success, um, rugby league has kind of ruled the roost in the city. And you still, go, uh, and you still go over once a month to, to Leeds? Pardon? You still go over and, and, and take in a game, take in a Leeds United game once a month? Yeah, I go over, I go over once a month. I, I just, um, I, I just love it. It's like, you know, I, I'm privileged that I, I'm in all the rugby grounds in a journalistic capacity uh, with work I do for the Independent and BBC, um, attending games on RT over the years, that I'm in the best seats in the ground enjoying the games. And I guess probably because I played and experienced all of that, I don't quite have the same appreciation of it. But take me, like, I was over a few weeks at a game we lost, uh, awful defeat. We lost to Newcastle at home, beaten one nil, and uh, a game we expected to win. And like, and I'm the same. I've been this for the donkey's years. I've been going there. I'm just in ratchet. I'm like the schoolboy in the sweet shop. When I'm in the ground and I'm watching these play, I can't take my eye off the game. Um, and it's from first minute to last, even if it's bad. And, and we play nice football on the BLC of late. Um, but it was just, you know, th this goes back to from early childhood. It just struck a chord with me very early on. Uh, football and running with the ball. And yeah, hence I'm rabbiting on a bit, so mea culpa. Uh, Tony, I, there's one question I have to ask you, uh, and uh, this relates to the 1975 European Cup final. <laughs> Uh, 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 and I know Bayern Munich when Leeds lost 2-0 uh, now Leeds actually scored a goal before uh, before any goals were scored Peter Lorimer yeah. got a volley and I think <laughs> Billy Bremner was given offside was he offside? <laughs> Yeah, what else do you think I'm going to give? Absolutely not. <laughs> well, it's and just a friend of mine who played for Shamrock Rovers and Bozo Mullen. He claims to me that uh, when I said it to him, he says, well, actually, if you look at it, you know, he was interfering with play. <laughs> I, I, I have a story about that because I, I, wasn't there a riot in that game? There, there, a, there certainly was. The bucket seats were ripped up in part. Well, I know a guy, a dub from Colester, who reputedly started the riot. He ripped up the first seat. That's his claim to fame. Joe Rebbin, if you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I want you to a gendarme. Yeah, that's great. Your claim to fame is that you were the first guy to rip up a seat. I know. He's an absolute gentleman. It doesn't really fit with his demeanor, but there you go. He was outraged by the <laughs> by the call. Anyway, I think I think a lot of uh, dodgy referee calls back in, back in the 70s. <laughs> uh, there's one thing I just want to finish with. Now, I know we've talked about this at length before, and it's, it's, your, it's, it's, it's a well-known story. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, you mentioned Australia, the tour in 1979, and you went out as a main out half, and then uh, without any hint of warning, you were uh, dropped for uh, um, uh, Ollie Campbell, who, who who came in. Now uh, we've talked about that story before, and I know it, it really rankled with you how all that happened. Nothing to do with uh, with Ollie, um, but it managed to dislodge. Uh, it was such a big story, it managed to dislodge uh, a headline about the Pope coming to Ireland. Isn't that right? So I gather, but in my naivety, and Ali has articulated that as well, we didn't realise how big it was out there because of the time. Like, it didn't have social media or technology to be in touch. I, I think I told you before, I think we used to get four poons 
a day. I think that was the going allowance back then. So you saved up your 28 pounds. You had nearly 30 pounds by the weekend. And that was your phone call home. So we didn't know what was happening back here. And I, I must admit that that had a huge impact on me, that tour, because it was very lonely so far away from home when I was dropped and, and the manner in which it was handled. I won't go through it all again now yeah. because I, I, I think people would start believing that I'm a bitter old git, you know, as go on. I don't want to sound that way. No, you but don't. Sir- you certainly don't, Tony. It's just, I love the fact that you were, not only did you play rugby and uh, soccer and played for the Irish youths and all that, but that you you and Ollie managed to dislodge a headline about the Pope coming to Ireland. <laughs> Tony Ward, bigger than the Pope. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> before, before Bono was bigger than God, Tony Ward was bigger, bigger than the Pope. <laughs> I'll take that as the supreme compliment of his <laughs> I think I would agree. Thank you very much, Tony. It's great talking to you. A pleasure, guys. Great to talk. So thanks very much for listening again. Football Walking Tour at gmail.com at football tour dub on Twitter, littlemuseum.ie slash football tour. Thank you uh, to Tony and thank you to you, Ian.